Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Hi, and welcome back to the 20 Minute Scriptorian. We are heading into 2020, and I can't believe that we have uh, left the New Testament and moving on to the Book of Mormon. It has been a great come follow me last year, and the Book of Mormon only looks to be even better. So thanks for joining me again on this journey. So the first thing I wanted to do is do a little bit of all about. Now, as you recall, this is where we go through some of the history and the context, etc., of the books we're going to read. Since this week's assignment is hitting the title page of the Book of Mormon, I thought we would do two things. First, let's go through and talk about the title page itself, what's in there, some of the different uh, transcripts that we have and in English of the Book of Mormon. And then second, I want to talk a little bit about some study guide aids, maybe some techniques and how I like to study the scriptures, some things that I'm sure you all do, and also just different thoughts as we approach a new year. So let's jump in and do all about the title page of the Book of Mormon. All right, well, this has been a fascinating study for me as uh, leaving uh, theology school where it's all been the Bible. Uh, we get to jump into uh, the Book of Mormon, which is just everyone's absolute favorite. I'm sure it's yours too. So this is pretty exciting. First, the title page. Now, I'm uh, I'm not going to lie, you guys. I skip it all the time. I mean, if you say, hey, I'm going to read the Book of Mormon, you just flip to First Nephi 1, right? Um, I even kind of flip by the witnesses. I'm not going to lie. I, I, For whatever reason, that seems like that introductory stuff at the beginning of any book. Um, you know, copyright data, publishing, skip, skip, skip. And so I've been just um, a little chagrined to realize that I have not really paid attention to this. Of course, I've read it a few times, but not really put it into my study. And it is such a fascinating uh, book. So it's, so I am really grateful that we get to study it. So continue going through and looking at it um, and taking a minute. It is worth your time, as I'm sure we know. So um, anyway, if you look at other commentaries or other books, or uh, you'll see that they skip it too. We all kind of skip it. So that's a little bit uh, more disturbing. And then some I, times I think we may have been maybe applying some personal interpretation to some of the statements made in this title page. So as we go through it, my challenge to all of us is to just take a fresh look. Take a look at it and see if we can't take some of those interpretations or things we think it might be saying and see what it says with just all the filters removed, just everything that we have as a fresh look. So uh, here we go. Let's look. Uh, first of all, I wanted to let you know that this is actually taken from 
the this is written at the very end of the Book of Mormon. So this is not written by Joseph Smith. This isn't written by Oliver Cowdery or some other editor, as some of the other documents may have been in the kind of introductory material. You think, oh, I'm going to introduce it. It actually looks like it's written by Moroni. And it says that uh, Joseph Smith, that he takes it from the last half of the very last page. It says this. Um, and this is in the church, history, standard histories of the church statement by Joseph Smith about the title page. I wish to mention here that the title page of the Book of Mormon is a literal translation taken from the very last leaf on the left hand side of the collection or book of plates which contain the record which has been translated the language of the whole running the same as all Hebrew writing in general. And that said title page is not by any means a modern composition, either by mine or any other man who has lived or does live in this generation. So fascinating. And if you think about it, it reads the other way. So in English, right, we read from left to right. And uh, Hebrew and a lot of other languages uh, read from right to left. So the book for us would go backwards, goes from the back to the front. So he's saying it's on this, um, or in this case, it's on the very last leaf on the left-hand side. So could be the first page or the very last page, uh, the way you look at it. Also, there are <coughs> excuse me, a number of editions of the Book of Mormon. And so this, is, uh, this has been absolutely fascinating to me as I have been really diving into ancient languages. I did a bunch of Hebrew last semester. Um, and you really dig into the different translations of the Bible or uh, whichever, the New Testament, Old Testament, whatever you're reading. What's fascinating is being probably like most of you native English speakers, the Book of Mormon came forth in English. And yes, it was written in a little bit of archaic English for us or a little bit antiquated. There are a number of versions of a major editions of the Book of Mormon. So you can go back right to the source material where we don't have that anymore of, of the Bible. Um, that material goes, the most common of the Bible is, is the Masoretic texts from medieval times, maybe back, and now we have some from Qumran and some of those communities like the Dead Sea Scrolls that go older, but you don't, those are copies of copies, and so uh, what's really fascinating is the Book of Mormon is you have the original translation. So here's some of the editions. 1830, 1837, 1840, 1852, 1879, 1920, and 1981. Now the 1981 is the one you're probably most familiar with if you go online and read that online at uh, churchofjesuschrist.org or if you have your printed scriptures from any time in the last 50 years, right? You've probably got the 1981 versions with all the really great fancy footnotes and all of that. Um, but there are a number of other uh, actual major editions, which I just went through. Additionally, there are some other sources for the title page you can get. And the first is the printer's manuscript. So when the Book of Mormon was translated, right, they, uh, whether it was Emma or Oliver or whomever, they, they would write it on a transcript. And then right before the Book of Mormon was sent to the printer, Joseph asked Oliver to make another handwritten copy. And, and that original version, the very original one, uh, they're only about, uh, I think, 28 pages, 38 pages, something like that, 28 pages, um, that remain, the rest are lost, and the uh, Reorganized Church or Community of Christ, as they're now known in Independence, owns um, the, some of the, the original manuscript of the printer's manuscript, which is the second one, this second full copy um, that were written. Um, 
you know, I got to check on that. I think, I think the church ended up buying that. Anyway, yeah. Um, there are, so there's original manuscript, much of which is lost. And then there's the printer's manuscript, which is a copy of the copy, which was then given to the printer. Now, something else that you have to know about the Book of Mormon when it was written is, is that it's, um, there's not any real good chapter breaks, paragraphs, punctuation. Um, it just, which is how the original looks to be written as well. It, it's just a flowing, uh, um, there's just no punctuation, no breaks, and, and what that does is it changes the way you read it and it changes the way you understand the, the, the script. So if you want to look back and say, I want to look at anything in the Book of Mormon, challenge you to go ahead and look at some of these other versions. Um, I'm enjoying a version right now, which is Grant Hardy's Reader's Edition. It reads it more in paragraphs, which is a lot similar, uh, very similar to a couple of the early versions. You can see some of the reprinted versions of of the script of the Book of Mormon that were redone from when they started putting paragraphs in. Also, you can see some versions where instead of the, I think Orson Hyde made the chapter breaks like you're familiar with, and they are brilliant because otherwise we would never get through Family Home Evening. The originals are really long chapters, but they change the way you read it. So if you want to try a new experience, try reading one of the other uh, editions. Um, again, the Grant Hardy edition is great if you want to give that one a shot. I, It's changed the way I look at it. Now, there's nothing really majorly different. Sometimes I'll put quotation marks in it, and it breaks it into paragraphs instead of so many verses and chapters. And so I think that's really uh, helpful. So try that. Additionally, when let's go back to the uh, title page. So the title page, we just mentioned, I just mentioned that it was written by Moroni. And let's read it together. The original, if you look at the Joseph Smith papers, it's like one kind of run-on sentence. And so um, when it was handed in to the printer, uh, it, what's amazing is that the the um, the typesetter, who is Grandin is his last name, E.B. Grandin, he had to actually put in the, the capitalization, the punctuation, the spacing, and the paragraph breaks. And so in your 1981 version, you're probably looking at it's kind of three paragraphs, an introduction, and then a big paragraph, and another big paragraph. So one, two, three. But it originally is one big chunk. And uh, I have enjoyed actually breaking it up into about six smaller chunks. I think the two chunks, you start to see something different in it. So let's read it together and see what we can see about it, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Right, uh, one thought before I read. I'm going to read it, and you won't know where the paragraphs are, so this is kind of a good way to think about it and see. I want you to listen to a couple of things. One, ask yourself, for whom was this written? So as we listen, listen for who was this written for? Second, or number two, how was it written? How did this come forth? And third, why? Why was it written? And I think we'll find some pretty amazing things. One suggestion is great is take a different color of highlighter in your scriptures or in your notes and mark a different color for each of those. Who, how, and why? All right, let's read it. The Book of Mormon. An account written by the hand of Mormon upon plates taken from the plates of Nephi. Wherefore, it's an abridgment of the record of the people of Nephi and also of the Lamanites, 
written to the Lamanites, which are a remnant of the house of Israel, and also to Jew and Gentile, written by way of commandment, and also by spirit of prophecy and of revelation, written and sealed up and hid up unto the Lord, that they might not be destroyed, to come forth by the gift and power of God, unto the interpretation thereof, sealed by the hand of Moroni, and hid up unto the Lord, to come forth in due time by the way of Gentile, an interpretation thereof by the gift of God, an abridgment taken from the book of Ether, also which is a record of the people of Jared, which were scattered at the time the Lord confounded the language of the people when they were building a tower to get to heaven, which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel how great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, and that, and that they may know the covenants of the Lord, that they are not cast off forever, and also to the convincing of the Jew and Gentile that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, manifesting himself unto all nations. And now, if there be any fault, it be the mistake of men. Wherefore, condemn not the things of God, that ye may be found spotless at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, so what I uh, actually read, you might find a few little words differently. Um, I actually was looking at a typewritten copy of the title page as it was in the printer's manuscript. So uh, there were a few grammatical changes, shoe and shown and some of those, but nothing major. But if you're reading yours and you say, hey, Lori can't read, uh, it's because I'm reading that. Also, there's no, the spelling, the capitalization, the punctuation is, there's not much there. And so it flows uh, very differently. And uh, and it's, it's just super interesting. I, I will actually go through some of the meaning of it in our next episode. But uh, for now, I want you to ask yourself those questions. Did you ca catch for whom it was written? The, the Lamanites and also the Jew and the Gentile. We'll come back to that. So think about that. Why, why would the Lamanites? Wait a minute. Are there any of you Lamanites? I mean, some, maybe. Um, how many of you were Lamanites? Did you always think, well, the Lamanites, this was written for me. Uh, they saw me in my time and it's written for me. And are you a Nephite? No, not a Nephite either. So who, what? And then also the Jew and the Gentile. Well, who are they? We throw those terms around a lot. Let's come back to that. But that's who it says it's written for. Interesting. How was it written? Commandment, spirit of prophecy, revelation, by the gift and power of God. And again, by the gift of God. Why was it written? to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel that great things the Lord hath done for their fathers. Um, just amazing. They would not be cast off forever. They would remember the covenants, and it would convince the Jew and Gentile Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, and manifest to all, uh, him unto all nations. Powerful, powerful. Would there, could there not be a book that someone, uh, that everyone should read? All right, one quick story before we go into how to study a little bit more. So I was on my mission, and I was pretty far in, and I was actually serving in the city of Barcelona itself, very cosmopolitan, millions and millions of people. And a fairly young brother and sister, meaning like in their 20s, similar to our age as missionaries, uh, invited my companion and I in. And as we told them, I, I don't remember how the conversation went, but as we got to the section about talking about the Book of Mormon, they, they asked me, well, why doesn't the whole world know about this? I mean, if this is what this book is, 
Why doesn't the whole world know? And we were like, well, the, we think the whole world, most of the world knows, but that's our job, right? That's what we're here to proclaim and, and to say that it's here. And his point, he said, no, that's not what I mean. Um, why isn't it like archaeologists would know, like the Dead Sea Scrolls or some other find, right? Why wasn't it found like that? And and that stuck with me. I don't even remember what I said because I'm sure it wasn't something brilliant, but what would you say to that? What would you say, here's this book that is for convincing the Jew and the Gentile that Jesus is the Christ and bringing us in remembrance of our covenants and why do we have it this way? Why do we not have the plates? Why do we have the translated version? And what would you say to that young man? Why, why doesn't the whole world know? And what do you do now that you know? I think that's the challenge of the title page. I think that's what's there. So something to think about. All right, a couple things on how to study just as we start into this kind of uh, new year and things. Um, let's go to Third Nephi. I think there's a great story here. So Third Nephi 17. The Lord has visited the people of the new world and he has started to teach them and he has uh, come to a point in which he's starting to teach Isaiah. And basically mid-sentence, he stops cold. And he says this in chapter 17. It came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he looked round about again on the multitude and he said, Behold, my time's at hand, and I perceive that you're weak, and you cannot understand all my words that I am commanded of the Father to speak unto you. How did you catch it? He's like, they're not understanding it. They're not following it. And he's, <laughs> he just stops, and he says, Wow, I, you're not understanding. I'm translating that, of course. So he gives them this command, or these instructions Whenever we're finding a place where we're like, I'm not understanding it, or I wish I would understand it more, I think here are some keys to how we can do that. <coughs> he says, Therefore, go ye unto your homes, and ponder on the things that I have said, and ask the Father in my name that ye may understand, and prepare your minds for the morrow, and I come unto you again. So, some good keys there. Did you catch it? Go home. Go to someplace calm and safe and loving. Uh, and in this case, your home. And then ponder the things that I've said. So ponder the words of Christ. Ponder what you're studying. And then ask the Father. But not just anyway. Ask the Father in Christ's name that you may understand. And also, prepare your minds. Because I come back. So prepare your mind pray, ask, and ponder. There's one last clue in this chapter as well. Actually, it's in the next chapter. Um, he gives them a sacrament before he begins uh, the next day. So I think if we were to say, anyways, keep your covenants, uh, participate in, in the covenant of the sacrament, and ponder, pray, ask, prepare your mind. And those are some of the ways that I think we can start also, a couple of things that are maybe less spiritual, but a couple of things I like to do is I like to read the book as a book. Um, I think I get too small. I think we go to the smallest little morsel we can, a verse, a word, a phrase, and we pick it apart. Uh, we have a lot of practice doing that. So before we do that, take a bigger overarching read. Read 
maybe the whole book at once. So maybe read the title page, maybe read all of Nephi um, as much as you can. And then come back and say, what's going on here? Or these are stories you probably know really well. So say, wait, how does this fall in the whole Book of Mormon? The whole Book of Mormon is is edited for us in our day. And so it's very specific stories in a specific order. And only certain prophets are being quoted. And why? So constantly ask yourself, what's the big picture? Why is it here? What's next? Why would it be here? That's one of the biggest things that have really helped me uh, see some different things. So I wanted to share that with you. I love that. Uh, I also love just reading as much as I can on it, whether that's other commentaries, um, uh, BYU studies, whatever it is, and then just letting my mind kind of ponder on it. So get as many different insights and materials as I can, read it as often as I can, read different things, (laughs) anything I can. If I go down a rabbit hole on Isaiah or Amos, I run down that rabbit hole, and then I just let it kind of sift. So a couple things to work on. Maybe look at the bigger picture, go to some other resources, and then ponder on those and see what you come up with. All right, Scriptorians, that's it. Next time, we'll actually dive in a little bit more to the title page and see what we can pull out as far as some applications and what it means.